Welcome to the College Investor Audio Show, where we talk about the biggest issues impacting millennial money, from student loan debt to side hustles to building wealth. We will show you how to get out of debt so that you can build real wealth for the future. Hey guys, it's Robert from the College Investor here, and today we are going to talk about federal student aid grants. And do you ever have to pay back grants? Well, the answer is usually no, but there is a but at the end of that sentence, and let's break it down. With the rising cost of college education, students typically pay for school using a combination of scholarships, family contributions, grants, and student loans. When you're applying for financial aid, every dollar helps you get closer to your goals. Whether you're attending college for the first time or returning to complete your education, it is so important that you take advantage of all financial aid options that are readily available based on your situation. Every year, the Department of Education awards about $120 billion to help students pay for college. Federal student aid is awarded in the forms of grants, work-study, and low-interest federal student loans. The big thing to know is that grants are like they sound. They grant you money. Grants are sometimes known as gift aid or free money that you can put towards your college education. Grants are typically awarded on the basis of financial need and generally do not have to be repaid as long as you meet all of the obligations of your grant. You are eligible for grants based on your family's ability to pay for college using the FAFSA, the cost of your education, and certain merit criteria. There are four main types of federal student grants. The Pell Grant is the one that most people talk about. It was originally named the Basic Educational Opportunity Grant, but Pell Grants are distributed to students through their college, and colleges are given enough grant money to properly award all qualifying students. A federal Pell Grant is a monetary aid from the U.S. government to undergraduate students who have not yet earned a bachelor's degree. For 2017, the maximum Pell Grant award was $5,920. The actual award amount, though, is based on the college's cost of attendance, the student's enrollment status, the length of the academic year, and most importantly, the student's financial need. Students can receive federal Pell Grants for up to the equivalent of 12 semesters. Low-income undergraduate students working towards a bachelor's degree can receive up to that max of $5,920 to pay for school. The Department of Education uses a need-based formula to establish by Congress. When determining the need, the following factors are taken into consideration. The student's income, the income assets and financial obligations of the student's family, the student's family size and number of siblings in college, whether the student plans on attending school full-time or part-time, and the cost of, inst- the, cost of the, uh, the school that the student plans on attending. But there's also some other grants. There's also the Federal Supplemental Educational Opportunity Grants, and these are awarded to undergraduate students with exceptional financial need up to $4,000 per year. The amount of the award is determined by the college's financial aid office and depends on the student's financial need and the availability of funds at the college you attend. There's also TEACH grants, which are teacher education assistance for college and higher education grants. And these are for teachers that are pursuing a bachelor's or graduate degree 
and they can receive up to $37.36 per year in grants, provided that they agree to teach at a low-income school for four consecutive years. Otherwise, the grant's going to convert into a loan, which must be repaid. And then there's also the Iraq and Afghanistan service grants. If your parent or guardian was a military member uh, that passed away during their service in Iraq or Afghanistan, you could receive up to $55.29 per year. This grant is only available if you are otherwise ineligible for Pell Grants. And then aside from grants from the federal government, there are various state-funded grants as well, and we have a link to that in the show uh, notes here. You can go to thecollegeinvestor.com slash episode 43, and you can click the link and see the different state-funded grants as well. So it's important to note that how grants are different from scholarships. So although grants and scholarships share similar characteristics, grants are usually based on financial need where scholarships are based on merit. While there are some federal scholarships based on needs, most states, colleges, and other organizations provide scholarships based on merit or some type of um, contest, something like that. Grants and scholarships are the most sought after financial aid options because they're considered free money. Basically, you don't have to pay it back as long as you meet all of the conditions. Once you take full advantage of grants and scholarships, you will have to take out fewer loans to cover the remaining cost of education. Like most college students, you'll probably not be able to receive enough grants and scholarships to cover all of your costs, but the more you can get, the bigger it is that the more gap you can close between what you have to borrow versus what you're able to pay up front. Um, The big thing is, is there are circumstances though where you have to pay back grants. Pell Grants don't need to be paid back as long as you follow the government's requirements. However, you would be required to pay back a Pell Grant under three circumstances. Withdrawal from the program or school. If you receive the grant and drop out before 60% of the semester is over, the government's going to ask you to return 50% of the unearned quote-unquote portion of their money. The unearned portion depends on the semester when you drop out. For example, if you get a $2,000 Pell Grant but drop out halfway through the semester, semester, you did not earn half of the grant. So you're going to have to pay back um, 50% of the unearned portion, which unearned portion is a thousand. You're going to pay back 50% of it, which is $500. Um, However, if you drop out at 60% of the semester, the government believes you've earned your full Pell Grant amount and do not have to pay it back. So if you get a Pell Grant, just at least make it to the 60% mark. Um, If you have a change in enrollment status, you will also have to pay back a Pell Grant. Um, So if your enrollment status changes after you receive your funds, you have to pay back the difference. So if you go from part-time to full-time or full-time to part-time, you have to pay back, you know, the Pell overpayment. Um, Furthermore, if you don't pay it back, you will get a Pell overpayment on your record, which will disqualify you from receiving future financial aid. Um, Furthermore, your financial need could be reduced by other aids and grants. Although this is rare, it's worth mentioning. If you submit your FAFSA, you get a Pell Grant, but then you get additional non-federal grants and scholarships that reduce your need for the Pell Grant, the government could ask you to pay back some of the money. By law, your total financial aid cannot exceed the cost of attendance by more than $300. Your additional grants and scholarships usually affect campus-based aid first, not the Pell Grant. Grant, but you also need to be sure that you are being treated fairly by colleges in determining your financial need. 
I also want to have a quick note about the teach grants. So teach grants could be turned into student loans that have to be repaid if you do not complete your four consecutive years of teaching in a low-income school after you graduate. Another situation where this could happen is you don't turn in your certifications in time. Your loan could be converted without your knowledge. So if you have to certify your teaching status uh, for the four years after you graduate so that your teach grants stay grants, um, but if you're late or don't submit your certifications, you will be on the hook for it. So one thing that I've seen a few times is that people said they submitted their certifications, but FedLoan one of the loan servicers lost it or didn't process it in time. So whenever you send in certifications, you need to keep a copy for yourself and you need to send it certified mail with return receipt. That way they you can prove that whatever your loan servicer is, if it's FedLoan or another one, they received it and you have a date and everything so that you can show that you sent in your certification on time and your loan does not get turned or your, your grant does not get turned into a loan. So Final thoughts here. When it comes to financial aid, you need to read the fine print and meet all the terms and conditions because uh, grants are great, but there are some exceptions when you could have to pay these back either in the form of a repayment or in the form of a loan. Um, so just make sure that you fully understand what you're getting into before you accept your grant um, and know that you could have to repay it back if you don't meet the terms and conditions. Hopefully that makes some sense for you. Hopefully you found this valuable. If you did, please leave me a review, leave a comment on the blog. If you want any links that we talked about, especially the state-based grants, you can go to thecollegeinvestor.com slash episode 43 and learn more. All right, guys, thank you very much, and I will talk to you next time.